Hello and welcome to the Decorum Talking Newspaper for the week ending Saturday the 15th of April 2023. Today the news is brought to you by Team 4. This is Andrew and your other readers are Jean, Graham and Mary. Graham's one of our new readers, so welcome to him tonight. And the editor this week is also Mary of Many Parts and Talents. Most of our news items are taken from the Gazette and Express newspaper serving Hemel Hempstead, Berkhamsted and Tring. The online version can be visited for breaking news at hemeltoday.co.uk. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442 unless stated otherwise. The headlines this week are Drive for New Funds to Replace a Community Minibus, Fostering Was Great for Us, and Improvements to Popular Path. These and other stories follow. Here is the news. First, an appeal has been launched to raise funds to replace a community minibus which was stolen on the 7th of March and then destroyed by vandals. The bus was used by Community Action Decorum for the elderly and disabled in and around Hemel Hempstead who relied on it to do their weekly shopping. The appeal has been launched to replace the minibus and continue to provide a low-cost or free vital lifeline to elderly residents who are otherwise trapped at home. A target of £10,000 has been set and currently £2,200 has been raised, including a donation of £500 from Berkhamsted Rotary Trust Fund. Deborah Fogden, Community Transport Manager for Community Action Decorum, said the charity hoped to replace the stolen minibus so that essential bus services for children and elderly passengers could be reinstated. She added, So far we've reached £2,200 from 54 supporters. We're not asking for much, just what you can spare to make a difference in someone's life. Thank you. To donate, go to crowdfunder.co.uk forward slash p, that's p for papa, forward slash minibus hyphen capital hyphen fundraising. Hello, this is Jean. A Tring couple have shared their delight in caring for multiple siblings under Hertfordshire's County Council's foster service. Paul and Lorraine consider fostering siblings to be one of the best things they've ever done in their lives. Hertfordshire County Council is sharing the couple's story as part of its hashtag Keep Us Together campaign, which was launched last week. More than half of sibling groups in Hertfordshire have to be separated some for personal reasons, but mostly because the local authority does not have enough carers to take on sibling groups. Paul said, when these children come into care and they are on their own, it must be frightening. It eases the burden slightly to have your sisters with you. They look after four sisters, aged three, seven, eight and ten. Lorraine added, if they've got the hump over something and they can't talk to you, they can talk to each other. Fostering siblings is the best thing I've done. Hertfordshire County Council has created a short film named All Alone, highlighting what it's like for siblings to be separated. Currently, the local authority has over 1,000 children in care waiting for suitable foster carers. It has also released an extended interview with Lorraine and Paul. Both of the videos can be accessed on YouTube via youtube.com slash atharts county council. Lorraine said, we started fostering not really knowing what was involved. We asked if we could take a set of siblings, two girls. 
which we did. They've now flown the nest. But they're always in the background phoning up. And then four girls came along. Again, we were asked, would we take them? And we did. We didn't see a problem with that. Kids come into the system and we don't think they should be punished for coming into the system. And they should stay together. They're so loyal, they're their own little family with the four of them, but we're the extended family. We wouldn't want to be without them. Hello, this is new boy Graham. Um, a popular walking route in Hertfordshire is set to close for two months this spring as part of an improvement scheme. A key section of the Grand Union Canal towpath between Hemel Hempstead and Kings Langley will be shutting from April the 17th for resurfacing. It is expected to remain closed until around the end of June. A diversion route will be put in place for walkers and cyclists. Where possible, people will still be able to fish by the canal during this period. It is hoped once the resurfacing work is complete, the site will be more accessible to both pedestrians and cyclists. Hemel Garden Communities secured the funding via a government programme. Further financial contributions have come from Three Rivers District Council, Decorum Borough Council, and Nash Mills and Kings Langley Parish Councils. An 800 metre area of the towpath between Nash Mills Lane in Apsley and the River Gade Lakes, north of Kings Langley, will be the focus of the re renovation project. It is hoped that once the work has been completed, the route can reach its full potential. Campaigners have highlighted the lack of a good continuous surface, putting people off walking along the path. Chair of Hemel Garden Communities Board, Bob Lane said, we are very pleased to support this key upgrade to the towpath, working with our local authority partners. The Grand Union Canal is a beautiful local attraction and the resurfacing will enable more people to enjoy it year round for leisure and active travel. Ros Daniels, Canal and River Trust Director for London and South East, added, As the nation's canal charity making life better by water, we're creating great off-road routes for the local community through resurfacing towpaths. Research shows that being next to water improves your mental and physical health, and we are committed to making canals more welcoming, safe and clean. Hello, this is Mary. The duo behind a motorcycle group in Hemel Hempstead donned Easter Bunny outfits for a charity fundraiser. On Saturday, April 1st, John Andrews and his colleague Gavin King from Decorum Motorcycle Riders collected and dropped off Easter gifts in support of Watford Hospital. Money raised will go to the Raise a Smile charity based at Watford Hospital. They were riding across the county on their motorbikes in Easter gear delivering goods to families. Twice a year, the bikers complete a charity ride. They deliver goods for worthy causes over Christmas as well. This year, they collected and sent Easter eggs and gifts for children and adults currently in hospital. All local bikers were encouraged to join the group on their journey spreading Easter joy. They started their charity ride at the Monks Inn in Hemel Hempstead and rode to Watford Hospital in their bunny outfits. Residents were asked to bring donations to the pub so they could be sent on to families looking forward to some Easter goodies and cheer. 
John said, it was outstanding, the response we had, and we'd like to say thanks to all involved. Previously, the group has also run Halloween-themed campaigns to help out the decorum community. In 2021, John Andrews told the Hemel Gazette, a lot of people think bikers have a bad name, but not us. We do things like bunnies on bikes for kids in hospital. They will be back on the road at Christmas, dressed up in Santa suits, to deliver presents in December 2023. Campaigners are appealing to the public to back their calls for an alternative to the skyscraper hospital set for construction in Hertfordshire. Berkhamsted Chamber is promoting the potential construction of a new hospital centrally located in Hertfordshire, which could be easily accessed by people throughout the county. Members of the district chamber are hoping their proposals can replace current plans to build a new facility by Watford Hospital. As well as better access, campaigners believe their project would be cheaper and preferable to current skyscraper-like designs. It's been named West Hart's 21st Century Hospital Solution. West Hertfordshire Teaching Hospital's NHS Trust has stated that extending Watford Hospital was the only area suitable for a new emergency care building. It analysed 19 sites over a five-year period before settling on its current expansion plans. The need to refurbish and upgrade current facilities in the county was also a key reason why the Trust has chosen to move forward with its current proposals. A Trust spokesman said, It's our strongly held view that redeveloping our current hospital sites is the fastest route to new and better buildings. Gordon Yearwood, who is spearheading the case for an alternative to the NHS's plans, said... We've managed to inform a number of key stakeholders of the case for a completely new 21st century, more accessible, centrally located hospital for the people of West Hertfordshire. Instead of the towering skyscraper proposal in the sloping Watford Hospital car park. West Hart's 21st century hospital solution has recently raised the case with the new integrated care board, NHS Hertfordshire and West Essex ICB, and with the Department of Health and Social Care. We're continuing our interactions with these key stakeholders and we believe that we're making some headway. And continuing that story, it would be of great assistance if you are able to write to the CEO of the Hertfordshire and West Essex ICB stating how the congested Watford Hospital site is too inaccessible for most of the people of West Hearts and how the West Hearts Hospital's proposal of a towering skyscraper hospital is far too high. Please also put in your own words how you understand that a new 21st century hospital on a more accessible and centrally located site can be built far quicker, for far less money, and would avoid the inherently unsafe situation whereby West Hertfordshire's only A&E and maternity hospital is located adjacent to West Hertfordshire's only major football stadium. Together, we will further progress and achieve a decent hospital service for all the people of West Hertfordshire. The NHS Trust is still preparing cost-benefit analysis of its proposals. Once all assessments have, been taken, have taken place, they will be submitted to the government for approval. At Hemel Hempstead and St Albans City Hospital, there will be further proposals to renovate the existing sites. There will be urgent treatment centres at both hospitals, as well as a rapid access cancer diagnostic centre at St Albans, the Trust says. 
Residents are encouraged to write to the Chief Executive Officer, NHS Hertfordshire and Essex Integrated Care Board, Charter House, Parkway, Welling Garden City, Hearts, AL8, 6JL, with their views. Former Channel 4, the big breakfast fitness guru, Jodie Bunting, and award-winning life coach, Natasha Gant, are joining forces to offer a free four-week community weight loss project at the Open Door Community Centre. And they know what they're talking about. Jodie lost an astonishing 15 stone, while Natasha has shed three. The dynamic duo want to share their knowledge and expertise at the Transformational Health Bug course starting on Saturday, April the 15th. You can either join in person or take part online. Jodie, who hails from Derby, says, I halved my body weight through diet and exercise alone and want to help others do the same. Most people, including health professionals, see surgery as the only way out once people reach a certain weight. I am living proof it can be done through lifestyle changes alone. The former call centre worker used to eat a lot of processed food, but now ensures he has at least one portion of fruit and vegetables or salad with every meal, which also includes proteins such as meat, salmon, eggs, avocado or tofu. He says his prime motivation was the birth of his daughter. Jody now works full-time in the health and wellness industry, coaching weight loss clients and taking fitness classes. Studden-based Natasha has a more emotional approach. She says, I focused on mental attitude. I used to follow traditional low-fat diets, which led to eating lots of sugar and artificial sweeteners. They keep you on a, on a sugar roller coaster and your weight yo-yos up and down all the time. Natasha's turning point came when she looked at the bigger picture, eating nutritious food to satisfy the body, which in turn is good for mental health. She adds, once you feel happier, you naturally start to make better food choices, as well as sleeping better and feeling more active. I love to help others who feel they are stuck in a rut with the food, the only joy in their lives. She and Jody are the power behind the Health Bug Club which helps improve health, lifestyle, weight and mindset. Cats Protection in Decorum has launched a fresh appeal to find a new home for a loving five-year-old cat called Poppy. And they've penned a personal advert for the five-year-old in the hope that an animal lover can adopt her. Hello, my name is Poppy. I'm a very friendly little lady, now looking for my forever home. I'm five years old, and though I say it myself, I'm very well behaved. I love to keep my foster a company, and have playtime, especially with a toy. So you will need to keep up with me. I do enjoy a good stroke to my head and a chin rub. Although I'm not a lap cat, I do love sleeping near my fosterer and have a good curl up and cuddles. I would love to have access to a secure garden after my settling in period, away from a main or a through road. I would be happier in an adult family environment as the only pet. If you have space in your heart and home for Poppy, then visit cats.org.uk forward slash Hemel Hempstead 
or call 0345 371 1851. Local resident Emma Welland is supporting Tring-based Rennie Grove's Spring Appeal by sharing her experience of how the hospice supported her dad and the whole family to illustrate why more donations are desperately needed. Dad lived with cancer for almost two decades, Emma said. He was diagnosed when I was just 16 years old. At first it was kept at bay through treatment and regular checkups, but in March 2020 we received the devastating news that it was terminal. It was an awful shock to hear those words, that the time had come to stop the treatment, discharge Dad, and refer him to his local hospice service. We were distraught. Hospice sounds so final. We weren't ready for that. And surely Dad wasn't either. But once we'd been referred to Rennie Grove, gradually we realised that hospice didn't just mean end of life. What it meant for Dad was the chance to keep living his life the way he wanted to for as long as possible. By the start of 2022, Dad was getting very frail. The Rennie Grove nurses were visiting multiple times a day now to help with pain relief. They talked to Dad and to us about Peace Hospice, where 24-hour specialist care would help keep him more comfortable towards the end. Dad agreed, and the nurses managed that transition seamlessly. He was made to feel so welcome when he arrived at Peace Hospice. We could see he immediately felt at ease there. And that's where he spent his final hours with us by his side. What was so brilliant about all the hospice care we had was that everyone always put Dad first. They spoke to him, listened to him, and involved him in decisions about his medication and care. I'd hate to think of a family going through a similar experience without the expert, compassionate help we had on hand from Rennie Grove 24-7. Caroline Allen, Assistant Director of Community Hospice at Home at Rennie Grove, says... For Dave, staying out of hospital was paramount, as was maintaining a sense of control over his condition right until the end. His family says our nurses gave him just that. We couldn't do this without the generous support of our local communities, and we're asking people to support our spring appeal so that we can continue to be there for people like Dave. As a charity, Rennie Grove rely heavily on the support of the public. So, we have a duty to use your kind donations wisely and well, the charity says, making sure we're as efficient as possible and always delivering the best possible care for every patient. We focus our strategic activities in three major areas, efficiency, engagement and improvement. In short, we work across the charity to make sure your support is put to the best use possible. In other words, helping more people live well for as long as possible with the choice to die at home. To find out more or to donate, visit renniegrove.org forward slash spring appeal. Redevelopment of Berkhamsted Leisure Centre is under review in light of the current economic climate. In a statement, the Coram Borough Council said, since the initial decision to proceed with exploring the new build option, a number of factors, including the ongoing impact on in leisure from COVID-19, inflation rises and the increase in energy prices have occurred which have impacted considerably on the cost of delivering the new build proposal. In view of this, we will be revisiting all the options available for Berkhamsted Leisure Centre. 
We will consider all the feedback that has been provided by stakeholders and the public as part of this process and are still committed to providing an improved and modernised leisure facility for Berkhamsted. The outcome will be decided in July. Police have warned decorum residents to be vigilant against potential burglars trying to pounce in the warm weather. As spring weather begins throughout the UK, Hertfordshire Constabulary has people against potential property theft. A police spokesman said, as the warmer weather starts to roll in, people will be spending more time outdoors using gardening and leisure equipment. Burglars are also out and about looking out for valuable things to steal, like tools, bicycles and other expensive items left out or stored in outbuildings that have very little or no security. Figures provided by the police force show that more than 40 shed and outbuilding burglaries were confirmed last month. Nine happened in Decorum, seven in Watford, and six occurred in North Hearts. Sergeant Nicholas Achilleos from Hertfordshire Constabulary's Prevention First team said, burglaries and thefts from gardens often increase at this time of year as the temperatures rise. People tend to buy new garden equipment, start DIY projects, or splash out on barbecues, etc. Meaning there's a lot of valuable stuff in gardens and sheds. Leaving tools and gardening equipment lying around in your garden can attract thieves, as they are often valuable or could also be used to break into your home. Make sure any tools that could assist a burglar, like ladders, trowels, hammers, etc., are locked away and make sure outbuildings are as secure as possible, with strong locks or even an alarmed padlock. Remember to close windows and lock doors, even when the weather gets warmer. And to continue the previous item, the police force has provided 12 tips to make sheds more secure. Always lock your shed, preferably with two haspen staple locks, one near the top and one near the bottom of the door or use an alarmed padlock. Secure your rear garden by locking entry gates with a padlock. Burglars can use garden tools to break in, so make sure yours are securely locked away after use. Ensure boundary fences are in good condition and secure. Spiky plants along the garden boundaries are good additional deterrents. Tools and gardening equipment could be visibly marked with your postcode and house number, which can deter thieves and help police identify the rightful owner. Remember to lock your garage door securely. Metal up and over doors can be secured with extra locks fitted either side of the door or a floor-mounted locking T-bar with a closed shackle padlock. Wooden garage doors can be secured with two substantial hasps and staple locks and closed shackle padlocks as well which can be obtained from your local DIY store, who could advise on the most secure options. Join Neighbourhood Watch or Allotment Watch to help reduce crime in your local area. Make access to the rear of your property difficult. Keep wheelie bins secured so they cannot be used to cli as climbing aids. Plant defensive spiky plants under windows such as berberis, roses and pyracantha. Watch our video on defensive plants. 
Most bicycles are stolen from home, so ensure they are kept in insecure sheds, outbuildings and garages. Consider installing ground anchors if you have a concrete floor. If not, look for the security rated products specially for wooden and metal sheds. Take extra precautions for storing expensive bikes. It's recommended that they are security marked and registered online. Steeped in history, Ashridge House in Hertfordshire on the outskirts of Berkhamsted and just 30 minutes north of London has been something of a best-kept secret until now. Set in 190 acres of landscape gardens, Ashridge House has it all, whether you're a history buff, a dog walker, a foodie, a business looking for an events venue, or a couple in search of their dream wedding destination. A grade one neo-Gothic country house with a sweeping staircase, corridors hidden behind bookcases, and spanning an area over 12,300 square meters, Ashridge House began life as a monastery in 1233, until Henry VIII took, on, took to the throne and abolished the monasteries. Falling in love with the house, he then decided to make it his home for 11 years, and it's where Princess Elizabeth, later Elizabeth I, was raised. Queen Victoria also made her mark on the grounds, planting an oak tree where she was a four-year-old princess while staying there. Rebuilt in 1808, besides being a private residency, it was also used as a wartime hospital, a ladies' finishing school, and a training centre for the Conservative Party, while for the past 60 years it's been used as a centre for business education. Despite its popularity as a business school, the picturesque grounds and lavish interiors have also meant that Ashridge House also attracted the eye of television and music producers and has been used as a filming location for Netflix The Crown, Amazon Prime's Pennyworth, Channel 4's Married at First Sight and Sam Smith's latest music video. Whilst the grounds are open to the public all year round, for those wanting a sneaky peek inside, Ashridge House also offers champagne tours where guests can explore the elegance of the house while sipping the finest fizz. For 2023, Ashridge House has also expanded its food and drink offerings. Alongside the Bakehouse, which is already a go-to for dog walkers and cyclists in the area, the recently opened Acres restaurant sources local produce with seasonal menus that reflect the heritage of the house. Open from Wednesday to Sunday for both a la carte and Sunday lunch, it has something for everyone. Hot on the heels of the refurbished restaurant is The Vault, a cosy bar with wood panelling, comfy chairs and an extensive drinks menu that's perfect for celebratory occasions, pre-dinner drinks or weekend get-togethers. With plans underway to provide a shuttle bus to and from Berkhamsted Railway Station in the evenings, it also means both locals and visitors to the area can enjoy English fizz, signature cocktails and local IPA from the UK's most sustainable brewery at their convenience. For more information, go to ashridgehouse.org. This Week in History April the 12th, 1945 U.S. President Franklin D. Roosevelt died of a brain hemorrhage less than a month before the surrender of Germany to the Allies. On this day last year, TikTok launched a program to help young people find work in the creative and digital industries as part of a scheme to tackle youth unemployment 
and the digital skills gap. April the 13th, 1964, Sidney Poitier became the first black man to win an Oscar for Best Actor in the film The Lilies of the Field. April 14th, 1931, the Ministry of Transport issued the first highway code. On this day last year, the BBC announced three frontline medical workers who won a writing contest were joining the casualty team to work on shadow scripts and help develop future storylines. April the 15th, 1966, Time magazine voted London the city of the decade. April the 16th, 1951, the British submarine Affray sank in the English Channel with the loss of 75 lives. On this day last year, an easy to understand guide to living with epilepsy was translated into Ukrainian to help people with the condition escaping the war-torn country. April the 17th, 1937, a British attendance record at a football match was set when 149,547 people watched Scotland against England at Hampden Park, Glasgow. Now we come to the information slot. This is followed by the obituaries, what's on and any more news. The obituaries in the Gazette this week are Stanley Bower of Greenview Close, aged 92 years, Patricia Mavis Bessie Haffenden, and Peter George Tanner of Compass Point, aged 68 years. May they all rest in peace. A last-minute advertisement. The next Watford Gold Ball session is taking place this, this Sunday, April the 16th, from 1.30 to 4. Also booked May the 21st, June the 18th, July the 16th, August the 20th and September the 17th with the aim of taking sessions forward regularly from this date. Who? People of all levels of sight, from fully sighted to blind, are welcome, as are people with learning with different disabilities. Where? Watford Leisure Centre, Central Peace Prospect, Watford, WD17 3HA. The nearest stations are Mainline Watford Junction, Metropolitan Line Watford Tube Station. The cost is £5 per session. First goal ball session is free. And what to bring? Indoor trainers, long trousers, a long sleeve top and a flask for water. We will provide padding and eye shades. To let us know you're coming or ask any questions, contact heartsgoalball at gmail.com or call Emma tomorrow on 07-534-081-501. What's on at the theatre? Dr Doolittle at David Evans Court Theatre in Tring from April the 18th to the 22nd. Visit courttheatre.co.uk to book or for more information. Also, a world divided at the Milton Keynes Theatre on April the 17th. It's a thousand years since the apocalypse and the shadow of conflict stretches once again across the barren lands. Now it is up to 18-year-old Saraband to find a way through the ravaged landscape, past the mindless cannibals 
in the wilds and the terrifying figure that haunts her nightmares all the way to the enemy. But will anyone listen to her plea for peace and stop a war that threatens to destroy all that is left of a world divided? The show, which is receiving its world premiere, promises an epic edge-of-your-seat journey with songs that will touch your soul. Visit atgtickets.com forward slash Milton Keynes to book. Films at Cineworld in Jarman Park this week include Assassin Club, um, an action movie, Renfield, a comedy horror film, Suzum, an audio-described as subtitled action animation, The Pope's Exorcist, a horror film, Air, a comedy drama, John Wick, Chapter 4, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and 65, all of which are action movies. Films at the Rex in Berkhamsted include many of the above, but in addition, Argentina, 1985, Super 8, A Good Person, Dance Craze, Hallelujah, and On the Waterfront. All popular films at Cineworld are provided with an audio description track. Please mention your requirements at the time of booking. And so we come to music. The Steve Waterman Quartet will be playing jazz in the Civic Centre, High Street, Berkhamsted, at 8pm on Saturday the 22nd of April. There's more information available online at jazz.org. And the Hertfordshire School's Music Gala is at the Royal Albert Hall at 1.45 and 7.45pm on Sunday the 30th of April. Over 2,500 young people share their musical talent and celebrate the breadth and quality of music making across the county. Contact heartsmusicservice.org.uk forward slash HMS Gala. And another musical event by the Ridgeway Choral on the 29th of April from 7.30 to 8.30 at St Peter and St Paul's Church in Tring is a concert of short choral pieces, sacred and secular, to include items by Mendelssohn, Purcell and Tompkins, plus modern classics and folk songs. Richard Grills is the musical director, Colin Stevens is the accompanist, Aidan McKenchy is the piano soloist. Admission is free, although donations please to Friends of Tring Church and Tring Music Partnership. Welcome. When is on Saturday the 29th of April at half past seven at St Peter and St Paul's Church, Tring. For more details, contact ridgewaychoral.org.uk. There will be interval refreshments. Rifco Theatre Company in association with Watford Palace Theatre, presents Happy Birthday, Sunita, written by Harvey Verdi and directed by Pravesh Kumar, from the 5th to the 12th of May, 2023. Tickets from £13. Please contact the box office on 01923 225671, Monday to Friday, 10am to 4pm. Tring Farmers Market is on next week on Saturday, April 22nd. The Farmers Market stallholders all come from the local area around Hertfordshire, Buckinghamshire and Bedfordshire and grow, make or produce much of what they sell. 
Local independent produce and eco-products are vitally important to a sustainable way of life and local economy, therefore an important part of the market. They also support fair trade products and fresh local produce to reduce your carbon footprint. There is so much to see and do in and around treeing, why not come to the market and then make a day of it in the local area? As well as the farmer's market, Tring has some great independent shops, artisan restaurants, local coffee shops, along with the National Natural History Museum. There are also some amazing countryside walks through the Chiltern Hills, Ashridge and along the Grand Union Canal. Also coming soon to Tring, Tring Together's Spring Fair is a fortnight of activities and events to welcome spring to Tring. It will take place from 8am on the 29th of April to 3pm on the 14th of May. The Boxmoor Trust are holding their annual public meeting at 7pm on Wednesday the 26th of April at South Hill Centre, Cemetery Hill, Hemel Hempstead, HP 11JF. Trustees and staff would like to invite the Trust's beneficiaries to our annual public meeting where we will be updating you on their work over the last year and sharing news about any forthcoming projects. This is an opportunity to share your views and ideas. Light refreshments will be provided. There's limited parking at the venue as well as plentiful parking in the Water Gardens car park which is close by and free in the evenings. Please get in touch at admin at boxmoortrust.org.uk to let them know you plan to attend. Adults only. Usually the pond dipping sessions are aimed at children, but this time it's the adults' turn. Enjoy some pond dipping at the Old Barn Pond, learn about the creatures that live in the pond and try your best to catch a newt. All prices are suggested donations. As Boxmoor Trust relies upon donations from members of the public to keep the trust and these wonderful events running. Thank you and in anticipation of your support. It runs Wednesday the 27th of April from 6 to 7.30pm. It's at the Old Barn at the top of Westbrook Hay Drive off London Road, HP1 2RE and you can book online for adult pond dipping session through eventbrite.co.uk. Berkhamsted Castle's 17th century cottage has appeared in Historic England's list highlighting 23 listed gems from the 240 sites across the country that were added to the National Heritage List for England, NHLE, during 2022. The cottage is in good company other sites listed include a picturesque watermill drawn by Constable, a Victorian fountain in Stockton-on-Tees, an art and crafts doctor's house in Manchester, and a Georgian folly in Cornwall. Historic England's annual roundup says the cottage acts as a time capsule, showing changes over hundreds of years, including an extension to create a Victorian soup kitchen. Records suggest that the cottage started life as a stable and brew house in the 16th century. An upper story was created in the early 19th century when stairs and a new floor were added. According to a scrapbook belonging to Lady Marian Alford, the wife of the owner, a small extension and veranda were added and the staircase moved in 1865. 
During the same year, another extension was built, which linked the cottage to a new building that acted as a soup kitchen for the poor. The soup house at the castle grounds was mentioned in the Bucks Advertiser and Aylesbury News on the 26th of January, 1867. To protect those queuing to receive their soup at the kitchen door, another veranda was added to form a covered walkway. The cottage is now Grade 2 listed, meaning that it will be protected from major change or demolition. Fourteen years ago, Sarah Marshall decided that she needed to change her life and that trying to play bowls was the challenge she needed. The difference is, Sarah is blind, but she didn't let that stop her. Sarah joined Berkhamsted Bowls Club, and thanks to her fiercely competitive nature, she has persevered and progressed beyond her wildest dreams. Today, she is the World Blind Bowls Champion, having won the title in Cape Town in 2017. Soon she will be off to the Gold Coast in Australia to complete it to compete again at the World Blind Bowls Championships. Sarah is also the current Berkhamsted Bowls Club Ladies Champion, competing against sighted players. She has also represented Hertfordshire with distinction. Sarah chose Berkhamsted Bowls Club because the club has developed an enviable record of nurturing aspiring bowlers of all abilities and ages from the age of eight. The reason it won the English Club of the Year title in 2015. If you'd like to give bowls a try, the club runs open days and free taster sessions, and the first for this year is on Sunday, 23rd of April at 10 a.m. No need to book, just turn up, and remember to wear flat soled shoes. So that's Berkhamsted Bowling Club in Canal Fields, 10 a.m. until 4 p.m. Can you help? Reach Out is looking for people in Hertfordshire who can spare an hour a week to help an elderly person in their local area who's home from hospital or living with frailty and feeling lonely and isolated. Reach Out offers companionship and practical support to people as they recover and rebuild their confidence. Many elderly people really appreciate someone popping in for a cuppa or helping them by collecting small items of shopping. Reach Out links up people who are isolated with volunteers who can offer a friendly face and a chat. Just giving a small amount of your time can make a huge difference. Find out more at reachout-project.org.uk or email reachout, that's all one word, at nhcvs.org.uk or call 01462 6 Eight nine four oh three. And now some county council news. Sickness rates amongst county council staff in Hertfordshire are higher than at any time since 2011, costing the council an estimated £8.2 million a year. According to the latest available data, council employees are taking an average of 8.1 days sick leave, with stress, depression, anxiety and mental health ranking as the most common reason for absence. And in some departments, such as adult care services, the average annual absence rate is as high as 12.1 days. 
The data, which focuses on the 12-month period to November 2022, was presented to a meeting of the Council's Resources and Performance Cabinet Panel on Wednesday, March the 29th. And at that meeting, councillors heard that the cost of sickness absence in the 12 months to December 2022 was £8.2 million. That's equivalent to £122 for each day's absence. But that figure, based on sick pay and associated costs, does not include temporary staffing costs to cover an absence or costs associated with turnover or recruitment. COVID, it was reported, accounted for 8,329 days of absence during the 12-month period, equivalent to one in every eight days taken. And it was suggested that changes to sick pay entitlement, with staff now paid from their first day of absence, appear to have had a small impact on levels of absence, particularly in relation to short-term absence. Hertfordshire has dozens of full or overcrowded primary and secondary schools, new figures show. The Education Policy Institute said areas with schools operating close to or over capacity see teaching staff facing additional demand. A school is at or in excess of capacity when the number of pupils enrolled is greater than or equal to its number of places. Department for Education figures show 65 schools were at or over capacity in Hertfordshire in the 2021-22 academic year. Of them, 48 were primary schools and 17 were secondary schools. Across England, 17% of primary schools, that's 17, not 70, were full or over capacity, while 23% of secondary schools, including six forms, were at or above capacity last year. The Department for Education said most state schools that exceeded their capacity were over by fewer than 10 pupils. About 7% of schools exceeded their capacity by 10 or more students. John Andrews, Education Policy Institute Head of Analysis said, pupil numbers are already declining in primary and will soon peak in secondary and special schools. The Department for Education estimate that the total, estimate that the total pupil population will fall by over 900,000 between 2022 and 2032. He warned the result of schools operating close to or over capacity is additional demands on teaching staff and pupils being left without their preferred choice of school. He said, with our research having revealed that pupils from more affluent backgrounds more frequently succeed via these routes of appeal, it's likely that disadvantaged pupils will suffer to a greater extent from the effects of schools being over capacity. The figures show the most crowded primary school in Hertfordshire last year was Longlands Primary School and Nursery. The school had 207 students on roll and 180 places meaning it was over capacity by 15%. The most crowded local secondary school was the Knights Templar School, which had 1,458 pupils and 1,336 places last year, 9% over capacity. Jeff Barton, Association of School and College Leaders General Secretary said, 
The bigger issue is that this situation is often driven by Ofsted judgments rather than a shortage of school places in the system as a whole because many parents apply for schools with good and outstanding ratings. It drives up property prices in certain areas and stigmatises schools in other areas. He said the system desperately needs to be reviewed and added struggling schools need more support. A Department for Education spokesperson said it has created almost 1.2 million school places since 2010 and added many more are in the pipeline. They said the vast majority of schools listed as overcapacity are either at or just over recorded capacity and we work closely with local authorities to make sure they offer a school place to every child in county. Football news. Two draws in three days all but ended Hemel Hempstead Town's hopes of still gaining a National League South playoff place. The Tudors were held one all at Tunbridge Angels on Saturday. Joe Turner's 52nd minute opener for the hosts, cancelled out by Josh Castiglione's equaliser nine minutes later. It was the same scoreline two days later as Hemel hosted Dulwich Hamlet. It looked like the visitors had won the game five minutes from time when Sanchez Ming put them in front, but Charlie Hughes struck deep into stoppage time to earn a point that maintained Hemel's unbeaten run. SPL Division I South champions Berkhamstead, meanwhile, saw their Easter Monday derby at AFC Dunstable postponed due to a waterlogged pitch. Two days earlier, Burko, unbeaten home run, was ended by a 2-0 loss at home to Ware. Two goals from Brandon Adams in the last quarter of the first half gave Ware the honour of being the only team to do the double over Berkhamstead this season. His first was a diving header from a good cross and the second a close-range shot, sweeping the ball home when the home defence were appealing in vain for offside. After the match, Gary Clark of the Southern League presented the Division I winners' trophy and medals to the Berkhamstead players as champions. On Saturday coming, Berkhamstead entertained struggling Highworth Town in their last home three-pointer of the season. And in basketball news, Hemel Storm are into the NBL Division I playoff semi-finals after a ruthless fourth quarter saw them beat Team Solent Kestrels 117-76 on Saturday. Kestrels proved a tough test throughout the two games during the regular season, with Storm winning by single figures on both occasions. However, an outstanding shooting display in the fourth quarter meant that Storm took the victory more convincingly this time. The first quarter started with Storm looking to dominate swiftly, as a Sam Newman three-pointer started what was to be an entertaining game. But whenever Storm scored, Kestrels were able to reply with shots of their own, and Storm went into the second quarter, winning 25-19. The second quarter was much like the first, with Storm showing signs of stretching the lead out, but relaxing too much, which led to Solent continuing to come back. The frustration was growing, as Storm knew they should have extended their lead further, but Solent, Solent still had hope of a comeback by the end of the first half as Storm went into the half-time break, winning 49-39. 
After an intense first half, Storm were keen to up the intensity to put the game out of sight. They used the domination of Erin Rai, who was a driving force behind the team's offence, and the outside presence of Newman, who shot exceptionally well from three-point range. Storm managed to dominate on the rebounds, securing vital possessions. To conclude the third quarter, a turnover with four seconds left gave Newman the opportunity to score the buzzer beater for three points. This gave Storm a 77-61 lead. The final quarter was one of the best shooting displays in a quarter this season, with Storm outstanding from three-point range while also conceding only 15 points. The ruthless display capped off what was a fantastic game and a great performance from Storm, who scored a total of 40 points in the final quarter, which gave them a convincing victory. This means Storm will face Reading Rockets on Saturday the 15th at Hemel Hempstead Leisure Centre, 7pm tip, in the semi-final. Top scorers were Erin Rye, 40 points, Sam Newman, 25 points, and Hakeem Silla, 20 points. We're coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are 6.07am and 7.59pm. Don't forget, for those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemel.org.uk. If you wish to listen on Alexa, say, Alexa, open the talking newspaper skill. Alexa will ask which broadcast you want to listen to. Follow this with, play the decorum talking newspaper. If Alexa offers you the wrong broadcast, just say no and try again. Remember, for those listening on a memory stick, information on local amenities and services follow after the final music of this recording of the news. Please remove your memory stick from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Seal it up carefully, turn the label over and post it back to us at the Adifield Community Centre, the Queen Square, Hemel Hempstead, HP2 4EW, using any Royal Mail postbox. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye from all your readers, the editor and Joe, your technician for this week. <laughs>